0: Father God, I praise you for the opportunity to stand in a room with these people and praise you. Lord, for all that you've done, all that you will do, and I pray, Lord, for this message. Lord, as we break open your word, I pray, Lord, that, um, that every heart in this place is able to set aside what may be bogging it down outside of this room, and be open and vulnerable to what you have to say to their heart and to their lives today as we grow in our faith and we seek to become the kind of community that you call us to be. Take it all and make it what you want it to be. We surrender it to you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, as you... As you can see, we handed out chocolate chip cookies today, and part of this idea with the chocolate chip cookies is to line up with this idea of a welcome home. The top of your bulletin and the picture and the shirts that you see around, uh, these are to show you, to show us this idea that is beautifully paralleled with scripture and with what church is to look like, of what it means to feel at home. What does it mean to feel at home? Home is a beautiful picture. I love the concept of home. When you think about your life and you think about the places you go and the things that you do and the people that you meet and the challenges that you face, one thing that you always go back to, some semblance of home. Some semblance of what does it feel like, what does it look like for you to be home? I was doing some... some. Uh, some research, and I was thinking through this week, what is, what is our understanding of home? What does home look like? What does home feel like? What is home to all of us? And I know that home is different to everybody. Home feels different to you than it does to me, but there are some common pieces. Home looks different to you than it does to me, but there are some common pieces. Sometimes home is great. Sometimes home is, uh, Right? But I was looking at, uh, you're probably familiar with uh, Habitat for Humanity. Um, I was looking through some research that they did. They asked the question of their community, Habitat for Humanity. They rebuild houses for families that lose their houses or down and out, stuff like that. And they asked their community, and their community including staff and volunteers and families that had just received houses. And they asked them this simple question what does home mean to you? What does home mean to you? And they had some lovely answers, some wonderful answers. And I want to share some of those with you before we get into some scriptures where I want to walk you through this call to community that we have in scripture. This built inside of us peace that is people made in the image of God who are, are designed for called to community, but here's some beautiful things of what home means to some of these people. One person said, home is a place blessed where you and your family can be secure, have all you need and share your sadness and happiness, where you can help each other as a family and it doesn't matter how big or how small. Another person said, home is a safe haven a comfort zone, a place to live with our families and pets and enjoy with friends, a place where we can truly be ourselves. And whether our houses are big, small, fancy, or modest, they are our shelters and our sanctuaries. Another said simply and concisely, home to me is three words, safety, security, and stability. Another said, home means a future. And once we had a stable home, remember some of these people are people who had received houses. Once we had a stable home, we could now think beyond where we were going to live from week to week. And instead we could begin to look ahead to where we wanted to go. And I love how this ends. They said, home is the base where everything begins. Home is the base where everything begins. Parallels beautifully with what scripture shows us and what church community is to look like. That this home, your home, right? Like your home is your launching pad in life. Your home is is that base. Your home is that place where you prepare, that place where you you kind of set your feet. You kind of get to relax and have that moment of refuge and say, okay, I got home from work. Now I can exhale tomorrow morning. I'm going to eat my Wheaties and I'm going to go at it again, right? Come on, world. But I went home to find my refuge, to find my base, to find my starting line, to sit in the dugout and wait for when it's my turn again. It's the base where everything begins. And for those who are raising or have risen, have raised, have risen, have raised, I'm English as a second language. Just kidding have raised children, you know what it's like to think about and to struggle with, creating a base where everything in their future starts with a positive base. And the last quote that I have for you from Habitat for Humanity is, I think that home is simply wherever you're surrounded by people who love you. I think that home is... Simp, is, is simply wherever you're surrounded by people who love you. That home is more than a house, that home is more than a building, that home is more than a structure or an idea, but it's a place where you are loved, a place where you can be yourself and have your uh, people wrap their arms around you, a place with good memories and hard memories. Because how many of you know that everybody has a different experience of home? Home life for you may have been bliss. Comfort, cushy. I shared a couple of weeks ago that my childhood was cushy. It was pretty cushy. Like I said, I'm not gonna apologize. My parents loved us, okay? They loved us well. But I didn't realize how hard some people had it until I left my home and saw that and experienced that. But home can be good, home can be bad. But what happens, right, is is when you're surrounded by people that love you, how many of y'all know that you get hurt the most by people that love you? And when you make yourself vulnerable to people you love, there's a greater chance that you're going to get stung. So I think back to my childhood, you think back to your childhood, there are experiences that you have with siblings or with parents where it's like, you know, we love each other, we're living together, we're working hard, we know each other, we do awesome things together and there's great experiences and, and hard experiences. So, so I remember when I think about my childhood, when I think about my child, I remember great times with my brothers playing video games in the living room together. Madden football, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, Mario. We did all these awesome, fun things as kids together. And we'd go outside, we'd ride our bikes around the barn playing cops and robbers for hours on end all summer. Great memories, great memories. But I also say that in my childhood home, there were three broken doors that on three separate occasions, I got so mad at my brother's. One, I kicked a hole in, one, I punched a hole in, and the other one, I threw a water jug through, all right? And had that water jug not been stopped by the door, my brother would have hit the floor and been taken to the hospital, right? Like, I mean, I'm a teenager and I'm working on my arm, right? A lot of tough times in that environment, but we loved each other and home felt like home. I remember one time I was, uh, I was, under 7 years old i was old enough to know what was going on but i was under 7 years old for sure and i had an argument with my mom how many of you guys did this i had an argument with my mom and i just i was done like, i'm under 7 years old i'm a kid i'm a little kid i'm done and i said i'm i'm leaving i'm out i don't i don't even care i'm going to catch a taxi to pittsburgh and figure it out right i'm like 6 right so i, I i'm i'm run away and, and I ran away all the way to the end of the front yard, okay? And I just sat there. I sat there. And I don't know how long I sat there, but I, I, I sat there long enough to start to feel better. And I'm sure my mom was watching from the window the whole time to make sure I didn't walk off the property. But I sat there until I cold down, and then I put my tail between my legs and I walked back in. So I'm like... Lunch is coming, and I don't know how to get lunch without you, right? (laughs) So I go back to the house, and my mom, what does my mom do? In a home filled with love, she wraps her arms around me. I love you. Everything is going to be okay. Welcome home. I'm glad you're here. Where there are people there will be heads budding. At home, at church, in a community of faith, there will be strife. There will be strife. But ultimately, ultimately, for a place to feel like home, for a community to feel like home, there needs to be this level of vulnerability. But, on top of that with the level of love. But here's the thing. One of the things that we have inside of us, and I'll tell you why, we have inside of us this innate desire for individualism, this innate desire for go it alone, this sin nature peace in us, this is I can do it by myself. This sin nature peace of us, that there is this peace of us that's like, you know what? I'm just, I know home was good. I know home was fine, but there's this piece of us that just kind of wants to run away from that. But I but I argue with you today and I'll show you here that we are in our very being, in the fiber of your being, even though that sin nature piece of us and culture calls for us to be individual, to be unique, to be to run away sometimes from the people that love us most. How many of you know uh, people you graduate from high school with and they say, what are you doing after high school? I'm getting as far away from home as possible. <laughs> right? Because there's something in us that says, no, I can do it on my own. I'm running from that. But we are created for home. We are Created for community. Even though it's hard, we are created to be together. Even though it's tough sometimes, God designed us in the very fabric of who we are as people, as humanity, to be in a unit, to be community, to be together, to be a, a a home, to be in relationship with other human beings, to not go off into the Alaskan or the Canadian wilderness and live in a tent all by yourself. That's not the design inside of who you are. Few people could do that. We need each other. So I want to walk you through some scriptures here to show this to you on this journey and this invitation to be a part of a community that feels like home. This goes all the way back to the very beginning. At the core of our being is community. For example, go all the way back to creation. Genesis Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness now I want you to see that and and look at this so so we serve a God the creator of this world the Creator uh, the, the creator of this world then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness so in this God the Triune three the, the Triune Godhead the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit are together an interdependent being that exists in and of itself, in and of himself, a community. And we are created in his likeness. We are created to be in that kind of union, that God the Father is interdependent on Jesus, the Son is interdependent on on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Three in one, interdependent, an existing of community. And then when God creates man in his likeness in Genesis 2:18, then the Lord said, "It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him." So this we see immediately. God creates man in his own image and said, "Okay, you're going to be like me. You're going to be a community driven kind of person, and God makes one guy, one dude, just standing there in the garden with some things to do. And about a microsecond later, probably, God's like, oh, this is not good. I'm going to reflect my way and reflect what he needs and what he desires, and I am going to create for him a helper that is fit for him, because mankind needs community. We are designed for it. And then all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout these thousands of years of God's people, we see God calling his people, his people. God is calling back a people group to him. Not calling back just a person. He's building through Abraham a people. Not an Abraham. He's building a people And it's always this collective community society that the people, God shows the people of God what it looks like to be obedient to him, what it looks like to follow his statutes, his laws, his best life that he has for them. Here's how you do it. Good idea, God, we're going over here, right? And God is constantly calling a people, plural, people, back to his name, in community, to be in relationship with each other and with him. Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus creates a new people. Jesus creates the church, and in his desire to create the church, he creates community in the church. He calls us to be together, to work together, to be unified. And we actually see, if you would look through, uh, if you write this down from John chapter 13 to John chapter 17, we see kind of the highlight of of Jesus teaching on community. And, And there's this central theme of God's love of Christians for other Christians is how the watching world will see that Jesus is who he says he is. What is attractive about church? What is attractive about a community of faith? Jesus says that it is the love of the Christian for the other Christian that is attractive to the world. And I know we all see it. We all see how hard that is. We all see a non-believer who say, well, the Christians can't even get along. How heartbreaking is that to the Lord? But when we live unified as a community of faith in the name of Jesus and how we love God and love others, that's attractive to the world. For a body of believers to live like that. Jesus prayed for it in John 17, verses 20 through 23. He says, This is Jesus praying to God before the crucifixion. And he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So this is Jesus referencing the verse that we just read about the triune God being a unified community interdependent, Jesus is referencing that. And he's saying, I pray that just like we are, that they will be so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory that you have given me, I've given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Jesus' prayer for unity. And in Acts chapter 2, we see as the early church begins, right before, kind of as Pentecost happens, Peter preaches, and kind of right in that period of time, we see really in a lot of ways Jesus' prayer is being answered as we have a picture of the early church unified as a people, unified as believers. They're caring for each other. They're investing in each other. They're, they're first and foremost focused on the importance of the community of faith and there are, there are many of them are making sacrifices in their own personal lives because what matters most to them is that the church does well, that, that Jesus Christ becomes famous and that the rest of their community comes to know him. That they are believing in that and they continue to do this. And as this expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives becomes more and more evident day after day after day. It is attractive to the non-believers. And as the word says in Acts chapter 2, as they loved each other in the church, as the church community looked and resembled so much more like home, a place of stability, a place of refuge, a place where I can be myself and know that I am loved and forgiven. The Bible says that added to their numbers every day. Because true loving community is attractive to the world. Because people Even people who are running away from home, running away from people and places and a God who loves them are attracted to a place where they can take off that mask and be themselves. But it's so hard. It's so heartbreaking because I won't ask you for a raise. I won't ask for raised hands, but I bet every hand If not, 99% of the hands in this room would go up if I said, how many of you know a Christian who says they're still a Christian but got hurt in church? They read their Bible and watch church on TV or on the internet, but they'll tell you, I'm still a Christian, but I will never walk back into another local church because I got hurt. You know people like that. And isn't that heartbreaking? When Christians don't love us, we're called to love It's heartbreaking. When the truth is, is that person, and you can tell them maybe till you're blue in the face and say, listen, I don't know what happened. I don't know that church. But if this truly is a God-fearing, God-serving, Jesus-worshiping community of faith, if you would walk back into that house of God, those people even though it might be hard, we will wrap their arms around you. God loves you. We forgive you. Let's move forward. We want you to feel at home here. And you should feel at home in the house of God. Because we could all lay our mistakes and our garbage out on a table. And the beauty of the cross is that Jesus wipes it clean and sets us free. And the table is clear. And if you ask the Lord, if you ask and ask and ask, Lord, forgive that, forgive that. Jesus said, what are you talking about? I, I wiped that clean. I threw that in the pit. And what goes into the pit does not come back. It's gone. You're forgiven. You're set free. You're set free. So there's this attraction to loving one another. And that the church should be a place where we welcome home. Believers and non-believers are who to become believers and say, hey, come on. We love each other. We love you. God can forgive you because what you are, I once was, and now I'm set free. But we live in a world. Now, I was going to read The Prodigal Son for you today, but we're kind of getting close to the hour. So I want to show you a video instead and talk to you a little bit about this before and after. I want to show you a modern day video of Jesus's parable of the prodigal son of the boy who left and took his inheritance and then came back to his father and his father welcomed him with open arms and I want you to see this as an understanding of you know there are people who have experienced the comfort of home the experience what it's like to have a church of believers but maybe been hurt along the way or maybe just in the in the listening of the devil is the father of all lies and he's out there and he is lying to us he's lying to us he's telling people to go just leave home behind leave a community of faith behind leave the bible behind leave god behind leave jesus behind and just go live for your own pleasures live for your own self you don't need that and all the while Just like my mom standing at the window watching me out there waiting for me, hoping and praying. I'm sure that I don't go off the property line. She's sitting there waiting, waiting and waiting to come home. Come home. I love you. The church waits. Come home. I love you. I love you. People are running from God. We want them to know they can run to God and to his church, and be welcomed home. We love and forgive. So won't you watch this, and I'm gonna say a few words, and then the worship team's gonna come close us out.
1: Me. I, mean, I, I know it's been a long time since we talked. I was, you know, was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, yeah, I understand you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but. But, Dad, I. I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just. I just want to come home. But. I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. It's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh. I'm coming through town soon and. And I'd really just like to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but. But if you want to see me, just. Hang a small sheet out on the porch. And if the sheet isn't there when I drive by, I'll keep going and. And I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad.
0: simply want to say as the worship team comes, you know, there are men and women, boys and girls all over our community that are running from God or running from family or running from church or running from home. And in the same way that this father opened his arms to this young man, God and the church and their loved ones are ready to hold up that flag and say, it's forgiven, it's forgotten. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you came home. I've been praying for you. So as we sing, I want to invite you, first of all, if you may have a son or a daughter or a grandson or granddaughter or a cousin or a brother or sister or or a parent who is prodigal, running from the Lord, the altars are ready. Won't you come and pray for them to come home as I know you already are? Won't you come and pray for them to come home? And if you'd like, I'll pray with you. And if you are running from God and prodigal, just like in the video and in the scripture, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. When you call back, God is going to hang that sheet and he's gonna be standing on the porch If not, running to the end of the driveway to welcome you with open arms. I've been waiting for you and I love you. Church is to feel like home in that rest place, that base, that starting place for all else that goes, that refuge you can come in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So as we sing, I invite you to come. The altars are ready. The altars are cushy and comfortable. You'll love it. You can come no matter what you have on your heart. There is no judgment in this place. And if there were, then everything I've said today is not happening here. And Lord forbid it. So won't you stand and worship